With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and later on a podcast channel. On our podcast channel, rather, not a podcast channel. Good start there, Aaron. Um, it is me, Andrew Musgrove, joined by Aaron Stokes. And if you're watching live on Facebook, you'll see we, uh, we've got a green screen. This isn't Joe Linton over my shoulder. He hasn't come in as a special guest. This is the beauty of a green screen. It is balanced delicately on two chairs, so it may or may not fall on my head and be one for the blooper reels at the end of the season but fingers crossed it doesn't we're professional as always gladly um we come into this show with newcastle having won one nil in the first leg of the efl cup semi-final against southampton aaron the result is all that matters but for me it was an absolute shocking performance it looked like they were passing around a hand grenade they couldn't keep hold of the ball rubbish with possession Passes going astray. Both sides looked really nervous. But, hey, Newcastle won. Take the advantage into that second leg. And that is all that matters. It doesn't matter about the performance. Yeah, I like that we're starting the podcast off with a nice, good disagreement, which doesn't usually happen. But, yeah, I thought they played okay. Um, I don't actually think the performance was as bad as a lot of people made out. I think the most important thing was just to get a win last night. And that's what they did. Um, you know, viewers who watched it the other day will... Hopefully, you remember that I did predict a nice one 0 Newcastle win. So I'll take the uh, I'll take the credit for yeah, that one. Did, 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 did you though? Did you? Did, I think yeah. people need to get in those comments and remember that I did call a tight one 0 win on the south coast, and there is, you know, evidence of that. So anybody that was listening the other day, if you can remember that, drop it in the comments. Um, but yeah, look, um, it wasn't a vintage Newcastle United performance. They've played a lot better. It looked for a long period of time like it was going to be one of those nights where they just missed the boatload of chances in Southampton. We're going to go up the other end and nick it. Um, but look, the persevered and, and lucky they managed to, to put one of them away in huge advantage heading into next week. So you were seriously sitting there telling me you weren't screaming at the telly for large parts of that game when they were trying to go forward and pass the ball. I know they created loads of chances. You know, they had 15 shots, three on target. Southampton had 13 and three on target as well. But my point being is they were, they were careless in possession. It wasn't, as you say, a vintage Newcastle United performance. And you play Manchester United, they're going to open you up if you play like that. And I know it's all about the result, and it is. And that is the saving grace. They've got the goal. They should have had three or four. The fact that we're saying they should have had three or four probably shows you how bad Southampton were, especially in that first half, that they allowed Newcastle to create so many chances, one or two sitters as well, 
And yet, you know, I, well, I'm sitting here saying it, it wasn't a good performance by Newcastle by any stretch. I think in the first half, as you say, they did look like they were passing around a hot potato and you wanted them to keep hold of the ball better. You know, you could hear the away and trying to sort of rally the fans, but, it, you know, it wasn't to be. The thing for me is I wasn't screaming at the TV because of their, you know, link-up play or them trying to create chances. I was literally just screaming at the telly because none of them seemed to want to put the ball in the net. I mean, how on earth Joe Linton managed to get that off target, you know, with that open goal. Willick, obviously, in the first half had two huge chances. Botman probably should have done better with one as well. But, you know, I, I don't think it was too bad of a performance. I think they weathered that storm a bit in the second half. Um, but I thought they were good value for their goal, good value for the win. Really, really positive changes from how I think everybody was sort of screaming at the telly saying, where's Isaac, where's Maxi and both of them came on together and really did change the game. Um, and I'm sure we'll go into it more in more detail a bit later about Isaac and, and your sort of his um, impact. But I thought on the whole, it, it wasn't too bad and huge platform for next week. But I think, you know, it, it's just what we were talking about the other day. They need to be more clinical. And we've been saying this for four or five weeks now, and it's starting to become a little bit of a problem that, you know, the goals are, are seemingly drying up across all areas. Yeah, I mean, Isaac, the impact that he had was fantastic. And we'll talk about him later in the show. And we'll also hear from Eddie Howe as well and get his thoughts on, on the match. I'll play a clip from his press conference. Newcastle, Aaron, started the game really well, I thought, in terms of intensity, the first kind of opening 10, 15 minutes or so. Um, and, you know, they had numerous of chances in that first half. I mean, Joe Willick should have had a double. You had Longstaff blasting one over. Of course, Julian had the ball in the back of the net and it got ruled out for off, uh, for handball, didn't it? Um, we'll talk about... I, th- I think where we need to start really is is the lack of that clinical touch. And it's something we've covered for many, many weeks on, on, on the podcast. It did last night's performance, bearing in mind they struggled to put their chances away, just emphasise the need for, for a fresh body to come in in the remainder of the window? Yeah, 100%. I think we already knew before going at the game that they're already looking like an attack. They're looking a tad like in midfield. I mean, thank God they've got a rest this weekend because, you know, the players do look like they're a bit jaded and they've had a very, very hectic schedule. But they're def- they definitely need more quality. I mean, we've touched on it earlier. We touched on it on Monday that the goals are dried up for Wilson. Maxi hasn't scored in a while. Miggy is starting to sort of hit a dry spell you're not really finding many goals coming from further back in the pitch. We've got, you know, three of the four defenders are over six foot. We can't seem to get set pieces right. Bruno for, you know, how brilliant he was last night and how brilliant he's been the last 12 months isn't seemingly finding the net as easy as he found it towards the back end of last season. So you feel like they need another sort of attacking midfielder, another winger who's going to add goals to this team because um, the chances were just seemingly falling to just all the wrong people last night. And, you know, we've mentioned it, Willick, Jolent and Longstaff, fantastically well to get in these positions. But where on earth was Callum Wilson? You know, he didn't have one chance last night. He didn't have a sniff. And really, a lot of those chances that were going, you know, wide and over the bar should have been falling to him. But, you know, as we've been saying the last couple of weeks, he just looks off the pace and, and you know, he looks like he's carrying something. Did you sense a nervousness? Because that's what I kind of felt when I was watching them trying to string a few passes together. You could tell, I think, both sides were really nervous. Is that a defence for, again, clearly we disagree on how well they performed, but is that a sort of defence you would put forward to disagree with my point that it was a it was a poor performance in a course so is 
chances that they missed? Yeah, I think that is that probably was a major factor. I think you look at the first four or five minutes of the game, Newcastle were, you know, looked like they'd just flown out the traps, had two chances really early. Um, and then the next sort of 20 or 30 minutes just into this really scrappy, tight, nervy affair where it just looked like both teams were sort of feeling the pressure of the occasion. Now, next week at St James's Park, they just need to kick on, get this game out of sight because I think Southampton showed enough yesterday in the second half to prove that they can actually be quite a danger. I mean, it took you know two fantastic Nick Pope stops to keep them in the game. Um, anyway, so there's positives, there was a few negatives, but bottom line is, look, they've got one foot in the final and, and as I was saying the other day, you'd be confident now going into the next week with a one-goal advantage with that crowd behind them that they've got to you know see the job out now. Yeah, 100%. And like we say, I can complain about the performance all day long. And to be fair, when I put it out on social media, a lot of people did 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 agree with me. You know, but I did finish the tweet by saying the result is all that matters. That is all that counts. I don't care how you get that goal, how you get the win, as long as you get it is is the main thing. Um, let's talk about that Joe Linton goal that was ruled out first off. Then I have to say, I. When I saw a few of the replays, I actually thought it was the right decision. But then, having looked back on it, having spoken to you, having you know looked across social media, it clearly wasn't the right decision. It, it you know it hits his side. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just another error from VAR. Mm-hmm. What was your initial reaction to it? And now you've had a bit of time to think about it. My my initial reaction was one of confusion. I initially thought it had been ruled out for Wilson, sort of catching Salasu in the build up of the goal. It wasn't. You know, until a couple of minutes later when we realised it was for a handball. It's a very, very weird one because from certain angles, it looks like it hits his thigh. Then his midriff from behind, it looks like it sort of catches his arm. And you've just got to wonder again, as we keep saying, how many, um, you know, how much access to which replays VR actually have because I, you get the sense that they're not seeing what we're seeing on Sky or on um, social media. So, look, it was a, it was a, it was an unfortunate call, luckily for Newcastle, you know, VAR sort of came to their rescue in the second half. I, th- I don't think anybody in that ground had a clue that it hit off um, Adam Armstrong's hand before VAR got involved. So, thankfully it bounced it out, but it would have been an absolute killer if Newcastle had lost that game off the back of that result. Yeah, we'll talk about that Adam Armstrong goal that was ruled out. Thankfully, it was ruled out. Um, the, the goal that came from Joel Linton eventually was much needed, much welcomed, because he had just missed probably the sitter of his career. I know he's missed a few in his Newcastle United career, but goodness me, that one was absolutely shocking. I mean, what was he, five, six yards out, and he's, he's managed to put that ball over? It was like watching you on a Monday night at a Dunstan power play, I think. That was Dave. the take one from the Musgrove test book there. But no, lucky, um, you know, you don't often see him getting in these positions. He was absolutely screaming at the box. And actually, when you watch the replay of his goal... Um, yes, it was fantastic play from Isaac, but Jolton really, really does well to actually spot that there's a gap there to be exploited. But it, as I say, when he skies that from six yards out and Willick missed two and Longstaff sending them over the bar, you just had the feeling that it was going to be one of those nights and Newcastle were going to really be punished for it. Thankfully, they weren't. But if I'm gonna if I'm gonna try and be positive about it, you've got to be you've got to be sort of pleased by how well Joel and Willick and Longstaff are getting into these positions. They're trying their best to offer a lot of support, 
with some late runs into the box. But it just, you know, it feels like Newcastle just need one of those games where they absolutely obliterate a team with five different scorers to try and get the ball rolling again. Because for whatever reason at the minute, it's just looking very, very stale at the, at the top end of the pitch. And to kind of phrase says on a normal day, Joe Linton has an easy hat-trick. It was very dominant, but can Eddie please tell him not a blast? Simple tap-ins. I think when you watch the replay black back of the goal, there's a few because he just, <laughs> just put his foot through it and he obviously goes into the corner and in the net, thankfully. Um, but yes, I you know, the fact that getting into these positions is very positive and hopefully it is just a matter of getting getting that first goal and the rest will follow. But just going back to, to not so much the long staff one because you can see what he's doing. He's just trying to put his foot through it. But the Willick ones, especially the second one, there's no there's no excuse for for, for how he didn't put that in the back of the net. And, yeah, and, and I wonder is that how how do you go about fixing that? Is that down to just it's you know not luck, but you're you know you're hoping it it will just come right. Or is it something else? Confidence, lack of concentration. What's the what? It, do you treat that as one separate incident, or is there something bigger to try and work at? Do you think? I think you can treat it as one separate incident, but it's 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 becoming a bit of a habit now for a lot of these players. I mean, Longstaff, especially. I know you can probably let them off for last night, but how many times are we sitting here the last month or two talking about? Oh well, you know, Longstaff's missed this big chance and. You know, Jordan does this really weird thing where he finds the net every couple of games and then has a barren run. Willick, I don't think we're ever going to see him match, you know, that 7-7 seven and seven record that, you know, he had when he first came, which is a big shame because I really, really do like Joe Willick and I really like what he's done this season. He's been a fantastic addition and he's he's really played a big role in, in what Newcastle have done the last couple of months. But as, as I've said earlier, these midfielders just aren't adding goals. Um and and I don't I don't I don't know what you do to change that. You, you look at Newcastle and you know as I as I mentioned a lot they were absolutely hammering teams early in the season. It looked like you know they couldn't miss and now it's just the opposite. So it's not as if the team have, have tailed off because results have still been good. I, I, you can't put your finger on why all of a sudden it's just not clicking in front of goal for them. I thought he looked tired as well. Um, just before he went off, he was really really struggling. There was one. A moment where I think he lost the ball actually, and he just he, he just didn't have any energy to to chase to chase back, and then finally, thankfully, uh, the subs were made and Maxi came on and Isaac, but it was it was much needed, and we know doesn't Eddie Howe really like to change it too much in play, um, but it'll be interesting I think to see if that was just Joe Willick just burning out in those ninety minutes, or if there's something more at play there because he looked he looked absolutely nagged. I think all of them did. I don't think it was Willick. I think a lot of them on that pitch look like they're, you know, they're carrying around little niggles. I mean, Fabian Cher, yeah, he went down after what five minutes yesterday. He just, he's just, you know, walking wounded every single game. Wilson, you know, as we say, is clearly just doesn't look right at all. I think he was a bit disappointed to come off last night. Willick, you can understand because he looked dead on his feet. I think they're in need of a good rest. It's sort of a blessing, I think, that they're out of the FA Cup because it gives them a week now to just focus on this. They don't have a game to worry about Saturday. Um, but I think a lot of them are just in need of, you know, a, a good couple of days rest, definitely. Yeah, 100%. Like I said, they'll hopefully get that this week ahead of the game on Tuesday. Um, one thing I noted about the goal from Joe Linton is um, one of the fan channels has, has put up some footage of, of the players celebrating but from the Southampton end. And what you can see 
is Bruno and Botman. They don't go over and celebrate. They, they, they come back straight away into the Newcastle United half. And um, obviously, what I was, what, what you would like to see in the normal circumstances is that the focus is there, they're switched on, they're ready for the restart. You know, in, in the initial moment, that's a very good approach. It didn't quite pay off, though, did it? Because Armstrong thought he'd got the leveller um, within, what, it was a couple of minutes, wasn't it? Yeah, a, a matter of seconds, I think, before they, you know, thought they'd equalised. One moment, actually, from the celebration that I really loved, I hadn't actually noticed that Bruno and Botman bit, but what I did notice was Isaac setting up the goal and then leapfrogging the, the boundaries around the pitch, hugging, you know, the fans in their way end. And then you see Trippier steaming over, absolutely running out of nowhere at the picture to try and grab him back out the crowd and say to the fans, let him go which I just thought was absolutely brilliant because, you know, for him, that must be a big, big boost. He's struggled to get back in the team um, the last couple of weeks since he's shaken off this thigh injury. The calls are growing now and I, and I think they're too loud for how to ignore that he needs to be back in this team because he's offering a lot more than Wilson these days. Um, but yeah, look, you know, you, you thought it was going to be one of those moments where Newcastle had squandered the lead very, very quickly because of that, you know, sort of one minute where they switched off and Armstrong, you know, pounced, pounced on it. But again, that goal that obviously then was ruled out, it, it came from careless play. It came from Newcastle not uh, clearing the lines. It came from Newcastle not, you know, giving sorry, giving the ball away. And the ball comes into the box. It's kind of headed up and headed back in. They just didn't get rid of it. And it looked like they were they were punished, thankfully. Uh, you know, VAR caught the handball and it was ruled out. And Nick Pope's fantastic clean sheet record continues. But again... I think it just, for me, that it was just another kind of example of, they definitely weren't at the best yesterday. But what I will say is despite all my complaints and all what people will be shouting, stop being so negative, we've got the 1-0 advantage. I know, I, I, say, I, was, I was the negative one on Monday and I got absolute pelters in the comments yeah, for you, it. And now, you, you were and now you're, and everyone's quiet. What's happening here? You you were ridiculously negative with this whole 1-0 deficit. That was That was ridiculous. I'm talking about reality and what actually happened. I'm talking about top class analysis here, Aaron. Okay. Not okay. um not daft score predictions, young man. Um but what I will say, given I feel they were far, far from their best mm -hmm. and they still won, it gives me hope that they're, they're gonna get that final. And I know people will now say, you know, don't get too ahead of yourself. But I I when you play like that and you still pick up the win and you're you know the spirit that'll still be there because you because you won, but also because Eddie Howe, I definitely think we'll be looking back at this match and the performance and going, that wasn't right. That's not good enough. Come Tuesday, we need to up it, not just to the next level, but the level above and the level above. I think we'll see a totally different Newcastle on Tuesday, a much better performance. And it all just goes back to the performance so badly and yet still picked up the win. And that's what gives me hope that Tuesday is going to be another victory and we'll be talking about a Wembley final uh, this time next week. Fingers crossed. Let's not jinx it too soon. But yeah, I, I'd agree with you. It, it, I don't think it was a, you know, the best performance at the back last night. There was a couple of times in that second half where um, Botman and Shea just looked to switch off a little bit, and Pope sort of had to dig them out. Especially that Shea Adams chance. He just found himself in a world of space. Um, but I agree. It gives them a huge platform next week. They've got sort of that, you know, little bit of a sloppy performance out their system. It'll be a whole different kettle of fish next week with 52,000 fans packed into that stadium and the scarves and the atmosphere. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it would be criminal for them to lose it from this position, if you ask me. Let's talk about Nick Pope. We know yeah. how good he is. You know, In fact, 
I don't think we've done it yet, but let's 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 on this very episode, we're gonna start up the Nick Pope Newcastle United, the Everything is Black and White Podcast fan club. Yeah. We'll come up with a better name than that in time, but this is the start of it. We will I know there's so many people out there that love them. This is the uh, unofficial fan club right here. Start and send your applications in to join. Um what 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 more can you say about them than we you know than we already have done in previous episodes? Again, last night didn't have too much to do, but when he was called upon, two fantastic saves from Che Adams, and that's really the reason Newcastle are going into Tuesday one goal ahead, in my opinion, because you know one of them is a fantastic save, but two of it's just two two saves like that, unbelievable. Yeah, I mean that first one from Che Adams was was really really significant, fantastic save with his feet. And like you say, he spent most of the game looking, you know, under no pressure, stood there in his box reading a, a you know, a chronicle newspaper. He was just absolutely, you know, so relaxed. And I, you, you see the stats and it's hard to sort of realise how significant it is. 10 clean sheets in a row, 900 minutes. And before we came on air, I thought, I'm just going to look at what you can do in 900 minutes, just to try to put into context how good this is. So in 15 hours, you could watch 30 episodes of Coronation Street. Mo Farah would run seven marathons. You could drive to Southampton from Newcastle and back and have three hours to spare. And you could listen to 15 episodes of the Everything's Black and White podcast. It just baffles me how on earth this run has been kept. And it just doesn't look like it's going to you know, go anytime soon. Yes, they conceded last night from that armour goal, but... The fact it was ruled out must give Poe massive confidence for the you know the future games. The most informed keeper in the world right now. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. He's got the look on his side as well because, you know, I know the goal was rightly ruled out, but that also takes a bit of luck for it to go that way because it, it, the, the time it took, it, it didn't quite look like it was going to go Castle's way initially. It took a long time to decide, even though I think it was more conclusive than the one Joe Linton's got ruled out for. Uh, but yeah, it was a bit nervous, a nervous wait. You've mentioned there the most informed goalkeeper in the world. Bruno's interview after the game had my heartstrings going. I'm sure yours as well, Aaron, everyone listening and watching. He said that Nick Pope, we're thankful for him. He's the best goalkeeper in the world right now. Is that is that a fair comment? Yeah, no, we, we don't like to get too ahead of ourselves on this podcast. I think if Bruno was a guest, we'd be telling him to keep his feet on the floor a little bit. I, in in terms of form goalkeepers, I think you know there's very very few that would get in Nick, this team above Nick Pope at the minute. He's the best informed goalkeeper in the league. He's up there with you know definitely the top three. I think for me talent wise, it's absolutely criminal that we managed to get him for ten million. As a, you know, John rightly points out here in the comments, a million quid a clean sheet isn't too bad in this run. So yeah, I'm not sure about talent wise whether he's the best, but he's certainly playing the best of any goalkeeper out there at the minute. It's interesting because there was a debate, wasn't there, over the weekend on Soccer Saturday where, uh, was it, I think it was Paul Mason and I think Clinton Morrison, and uh, they were asked whether, indeed, um, he was the, the best. Well, I think the answer the question was, is he in the top 10? 
is in the top 10 best goalkeepers in the world. And they said no, but then couldn't name another nine. <laughs> so I think that's all you need. All you need. I mean, I, I mean, Premier League-wise, I think he's, he's in form, definitely, in the Premier yeah. League. Quality, I don't think you, you can probably say he's better than Edison, but he's he's not far behind with how he's how he's playing at the moment. I think you look at that, you look at the Premier League and Alisson and Edison are obviously, you know, streets ahead of anyone, I think. But apart from that, you could argue that he's, you know, just as good, if not better than Ramsdale or De Gea, certainly better than Lloris, Kepa, Mendy. Um, and it, again, it just, you know, it takes you back the summer and you wonder how on earth more teams weren't, weren't in from. And when you go back the summer, you know, Obviously, hindsight's a wonderful thing, but we obviously didn't know whether he would actually be starting over Dubravka. And can you actually imagine if Newcastle had started Dubravka at the start of the season and where they'd be right now? It, it's very, very interesting to think about. But, you know, it was a bit of a gamble from how it's completely paid off. And, and look, let's hope he gets to 990 minutes of a clean sheet next week. Definitely. So we just can't see it ending. It's uh, been another fantastic evening for Nick Poe. Um, Let's talk about then the red card uh, for Southampton. And it's it's probably a point of a wider discussion, isn't it, about how Newcastle have really got this nasty streak about them now. They know how to wind up the opposition. I mean, Bruno from word go was just, was just being horrendous for the opposition. I mean, we love it because he's in black and white or dark blue as he was yesterday. Um, and it's interesting as well because... We go back to the discussion we had about Anthony Gordon earlier in the week and about how people, you know, aren't too keen on him because of the, you know his attitude and his temperament. But I tell you what, after what we watched last night and Bruno winding up the opposition, basically forcing a red card out of Southampton, Anthony Gordon's going to have absolutely no issue settling in. Yeah, it's it's what I said on Monday. I think you know when these type of players play for your team, you don't mind it half as much. And I think, given how Newcastle have acted sort of on and off the ball this season. I think Gordon fits, you know, the type of player that, you know, would probably fit in in this new sort of environment. Um, I thought Bruno, you know, I know we haven't mentioned him really yet, but I thought he was, you know, a worthy winner of man of the match last night. He can do it all. Um, oh, you're looking like you're going to disagree with us, yeah? Do you know, I, I, I don't think he was. Really? See, I thought he's been, I think he's been a bit quiet in recent weeks. And I thought last night was a game where, you know, there's certain games he just grabs it by the scruff of his neck. And I thought last night was one of them. I thought he had an all right game, but I thought he was below his standard again. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think he had 48 successful passes. And I think that equated to something like 76% success rate, which is well below what he has set as the bar himself. So maybe he's a victim of his own success. But I thought he was careless in possession at times as well. And again, it probably just goes back to the high standards we expect from him. I thought he just came underneath that. And I think because he was so involved in the red card and he had another uh, disagreement, shall we say, with a fellow countryman, uh, the Southampton defender at the back. I think he was just in the forefront of things and that makes you think he had this fantastic game. Didn't have a bad game. I just thought it wasn't his best game. Um, I thought actually Joe Linton for me was probably the standout, the standout man. Really? Even with those missed chances. Even with those missed, even with those missed chances. Well, it's a game of opinions, and I'm glad that we're having a couple of friendly disagreements. But yeah, I, I thought Bruno was good value last night. I thought, um, you know, when Newcastle were really purring, I thought, you know, he was at the centre of most of it. And yes, the first half, you know, not many of them came out of it well, but I thought he was 
the one that really stood up and, and made you take notice. But um, as you say, you know, it's difficult with Bruno because you're so used to having good games. When he does drop it slightly, you know, people are going to notice. So, yeah, that's an interesting one. Yeah, definitely. I, mean, I just thought Joe Linton. Uh, I mean, obviously, without him, Newcastle wouldn't have got wouldn't have got the goal. But I just thought, it, just across the field, he just he just continues to really impress. You know, wins four out of five aerial duels, three out of eight. He you know had a seventy six percent passing success, which just fell short of Bruno. Of course, he you know, gets the goal. But do you know what? I, I I get why Bruno was awarded man of the match. Um, you know, Roger says there in the comments that he also rated Bruno. We've got Cher, uh, man of the match for Derek. Derek agrees also with me that um, he's never seen Bruno give the ball away so often. But, I mean, it's fantastic actually reading these comments here because, you know, here's John saying Trippier was the best player for me. You know, it goes on and on. But again, I bring you back to this point. Uh, you know, Peter says here, lots of giving the ball away, concerned at the standard of shooting in the last three games. And it's interesting now because I th- I thought a lot about how to approach the episode. Do we come in and we're partying and celebrating? I'll bring the champagne out because we've got the first leg under under wraps and Newcastle going with advantage. And do we just kind of not talk about what I thought was a was a poor performance and the negative aspects of the game, or do we do we address it and say, well, actually, yeah, it, it wasn't it wasn't good enough. They still came out with a win. But against the top side, which you'll probably face in the final against Manchester United, if Newcastle get there, you can't play like you did last night at St Mary's. No, and I, and I think how we'll be aware of that. I mean, I think you know the response from Newcastle last night was was one of every single player that got interviewed or every single you know well how get an interview last night. It was just exactly the same. You know, this tie isn't over. There's no need to get the cell, you know the champagne out yet. Thought it was very 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 interesting that they didn't post a dressing room pick after. Which has obviously become the regular, um, and I thought that was, you know, a very, very clever move because they don't want to see like they've won this tie when they haven't. So a lot of fans rightly think that, you know, they're on the way to Wembley. But uh, as I said earlier, I think Southampton showed enough that they'll at least give it a very, very good go next week. I still think Newcastle have far too much um, for them, and I don't think they'll throw away that deficit of, of a goal at home. But Southampton, you know, they're not going to lie down and, and let it happen. And, and, you know, on another night, they could have smashed it last night. So I think, um, you know, it's full focus ahead of next week. I think this kind of just sums it up here from Steve. Lots of them give the ball away. Trips and share below par for me. Bruno not his best, but still running the game. Bossed it for most of the game. And it goes back to what I said earlier. Newcastle below par, but still chilling out the results, which is also what we've seen kind of since the turn of the year as, as well, uh, give or take one or two games. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you know, we've we've absolutely blasted them recently about their finishing and, uh, you know, all this and changes need to be made. They still haven't lost in the league. You know, they're, they're finding ways to win. You know, two, well, one very good battle and draw at Arsenal. You know, you could maybe look at that Leeds game as a bit of a disappointment. They've found a winner very, very late against um, Fulham and they've found a way to win last night. So, you know, we don't want to be too, you know, negative, but I think you were right to approach this episode in this way. I don't think we can just say, oh, well, they won and that was it. You know, we need to be positive. I think you're right to call out the performance last night. And as much as I was trying to defend it at the start of the show, it, it wasn't vintage by any means and a lot to work on next week. I think so. Antonio in the comments here has just made a very good point about the final. Forget there. 
And that's that, you know, a one-off game at Wembley, huge crowd behind you, you know, especially if it's against a club like Man United who have been there, they've done it, they're used to these finals. I think it'll be a completely diff- different kettle of fish. You know, Newcastle will go into it full of confidence. Um, but that's but to I'm, come. That's to come. But that is getting you know, far too ahead. Um, we mentioned Wilson, um, obviously replaced by He's like, I just want to check though with you, Aaron. Is it definitely Wilson that played last night, or was it Chris Wood? Just do you want to give do you want to give people a little bit of context? On that? You, you you may have seen it on Twitter last night as the team news was announced um, on our live blog. Um, Chris Wood had made a remarkable return to the Newcastle United fold and actually started up front, according to our live blogger, who indeed was Mr. Aaron Stokes. Clearly, I've just been writing so much about Chris Wood this week that he's on the brain and. You know, but you know what it is? He probably would have done a better job than Wilson last night. So <laughs> bring him back, as John said. Yes. Let's talk about Callum Wilson then because he looks out of sorts. And it's it's such a shame because you want to see him firing Newcastle United to glory. But it was a game last night which I think seals his fate for the for the game on Tuesday. Even if Isaac hadn't come off the bench and had that impact for me. I think the way Wilson performed last night, he would not be starting, or I personally wouldn't start him in the second leg. I've got some stats here. Wilson had 15 touches in the 67 minutes he was on the pitch. Isaac, who came on for him, had 18. And that kind of sums it up. Now, 18 is not a huge amount uh, of touches. You know, you'd, of course you'd want more. But 18 is more than the 15 Callum Wilson had. And then plus you chuck in the fact that Isaac... Maybe could have had a goal himself, created a couple of chances, including the one that Joe Linton scored. Before I ask you, and I think I already know the answer about Isaac, let's just talk about Callum Wilson. What what has gone wrong for him? What is the issue? It's it's hard to know because he looks like a player that has just joined this team. He doesn't know how to play with it, you know, with his teammates. He looks just so out of sorts. And as I, as I said earlier. Newcastle are getting in fantastic positions. Their interplay is good when it works. You know, they're drilling balls across the box last night and Wilson was just never, ever, ever in the frame of them. Clearly, he's still suffering from whatever, you know, illness or problem that he was having after the World Cup when he came back around Christmas time. I don't think he's been able to shake it since. Newcastle, you know, how he even came out last night and said they're doing very, very little training because it's match, rest, match, rest. Um which is may, maybe a factor that he's, you know, he's just not getting the time on the training pitch. I'm, I'm not sure, but I would agree with you that I think the writing's probably on the wall for next week because, um, because of the impact that he's that made off the bench. John says Callum didn't have a sniff on goal because our passing to him wasn't the best, and I can see that. But then, what you've got to do is you've got to do what Isaac did. He comes on and he's in the same position as, as him, but. It, but he's gone and found the ball. He's moving, and he's when he gets the ball, he's making sure that you know he makes it pay. And that was the difference straight away. You saw that Isaac just had the movement about him. He had the desire to go and get that ball and look to create something. Now, I'm not saying Callum Wilson, of course, he wants to create something. Of course, he wants to be on the ball. But for whatever reason, it's just not clicking for him. When Eddie Howe makes that decision on Tuesday's team sheet. And we will have a match preview with John Gibson on, on, on Monday. But when he makes that decision, 
how does Callum Wilson react? Do you think Callum Wilson's sitting at home this morning, this afternoon, and he he, he knows something's not right? He knows he's not on form. He would he'll just accept it. Is it a case that it won't it won't impact his spirits too much? He will know he's been rested because he's out of form. Because that's always the risk, isn't it? You know, some players are confidence players, and if you if you get removed out of such a big game, it can have a long term negative effect on you. Yeah, I don't think you know what we know about Callum Wilson is that he's a you know a fantastic team player. Always had an absolutely spot on attitude at Newcastle. It's the reason that he's obviously taken the armband in, in recent years at, at different points. He's you know he's had plenty of experience being out on the sidelines for a long time and coming back and hitting the ground running. It might just be what he needs. Just a little bit of time out the firing line, a little bit of time to regroup behind the scenes on the training pitch, give Isaac a chance. If it's going to improve the team, I don't think Wilson would have a problem with that. It just, I hope he does, you know, find the similar form that he had going into the World Cup because, you know, I really do want him to keep his place in this team. When he's fit and firing, I mean, the start, the start of the season, he was absolutely unplayable. So he just looks like a player to me that's very, very jaded. Um, and just needs a little bit of time out the spotlight. And I think you can you can afford to take that risk given the form of Isaac in the last couple of games, getting in all the right positions. He, you know, he's making very, very positive runs on and off the ball. Um, and as John says here in the comments, he's looking very, very sharp, which is something that Wilson isn't. Yeah, he's, he starts me on Tuesday. I mean, I, I put the, that out last night. I asked people on Twitter whether they would start... Isaac on Tuesday, I said I 100% would. And I think all of the comments just came back and said, yeah, he's got a start. You know, I think people do feel sorry for Callum Wilson, but this is, I mean, this is a massive game for Newcastle United. And, uh, you know, there's no room for sentiment in here. If, if the player's out of form and Isaac's fit and raring to go, then you play him. Um, I think, I mean, I've got 66 replies to this tweet, Aaron. And from all, agree. <laughs> yeah, and only one of them didn't agree with the point that I thought um, Isaac should start on Tuesday. Uh, I think it was along the lines of, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. And because of the rest as well that they get. Mm-hmm. But for me, he starts. I mean, the other person as well that many people mentioned actually in, in these replies is that they want St. Maxman to start as well on Tuesday. Yeah, you know, we've been critical of Maxi the last couple of weeks for not taking his chance. And you can't say that last night. I thought he was picking up the ball and really trying to make a difference. He's obviously, you know, lured Coletta Carr into that second yellow card. I thought he was, um, I thought, you know, it was one of his better cameo performances of late. The only issue is, is that I don't think the, the argument is that strong to start him next week as it is with Isaac, purely because of, um, you know, Willock and Jordan still, you know, playing quite well. I know obviously last night they missed a few chances, but I thought on the whole, especially the last couple of games, it really does work this system of having those two down the left. Um, but Maxi's done himself absolutely no harm um with last night's performance. And I think if he can keep up that, you know, you know, he will soon be knocking on the door just like these actors. Yeah, we've got Jordy too good saying St. Max means to start alongside Isaac. When he came on, we immediately got up the pitch about 20, 30 yards and it relieved the pressure that Southampton had us under. Don't know what else they're supposed to do to get in the team, score a couple of goals, and I'm sure that would make the decision uh, already how a lot easier. I do agree with you, though. I think, I mean, if it was me, I'd be starting St. Maxman. 
Really? Over? Over Willick. Really? Yeah. Over Willick. Um, because I just think everything on Tuesday kind of lends itself to to Maxi. I think just the atmosphere, the occasion, you just you just put an arm around him and say, right, go out and do it. Go out and show why, you know, for the last three years or so, you've been the number one man here. And I think he would rise to the occasion. That being said, I can't see Eddie Howe changing it there. I think he will change it though for, for Isaac. It's certainly going to be one to watch. Um, talk me through this then. Describe to our listeners who are on the podcast what 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 we're looking at. So we're listening to sorry, we're looking at what has probably been the most shared clip, meme, video of the last twenty four hours, and that is Jacob Murphy waving goodbye to Dujé Galetta Car when he got that second yellow card. I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna. I don't think my response to this is going to be well received from Newcastle supporters, and I'm, I can tell by looking your face, you probably think the same. I'm not sure how much I rate that because in my head, I have got images of Southampton stealing a win next week and that being sent by every single Southampton fan for the rest of time. And if I'm completely honest, I think if you ask Teddy Howe in his heart of hearts, he probably doesn't like it. And I know I'm going to get slated in the comments because it's banter and people love it. But And it was funny, but I just think you know the job isn't done yet. Do you know what? I don't think you're going to get as slated as you think, actually. Really? No, Steve's sitting there. It's unprofessional. It's it's funny though. And I mean, my concern wasn't about wasn't about Tuesday coming. It was about yesterday and them going <laughs> up the pitch and getting in a, getting an equaliser. You know, it, I, I mean, it is funny. You look at it and it's a little bit cheeky, and you do share a bit of a, a laugh. But you're right. You know. The world is a very, very strange place and things like that do tend to come back and haunt you. Fingers crossed it doesn't and karma doesn't come back and haunt me. Um, but certainly an interesting way to see to see the Southampton player off the pitch. 100%. And look, if we're 3-0 up next week with one minute ago and Murphy wants to do it, I will happily back him once we know that it's, it's over the line. But yeah, I just hope it doesn't come back to bite him next week. Antonio thought it was hilarious. Um, shall we listen to what Eddie Al had to say then about this game? Um, I shall play the clip now from his press conference. Here we go, Eddie Howe speaking after Newcastle's 1-0 victory over at Southampton in the first leg of the EFL Cup. Nick Pope will rightly get the headlines for the, the 10 clean sheets in a row, but how much work needs to be credited to the, the back four, the coaching staff, everyone around the club for, for that kind of a record? Yeah, well, it's a, it's a team effort, but the players on the pitch are the ones that have to do it. So, no, all the credit goes to the players. They've, again, even today, I think the, the, the fight for each other, the, the team unity, the teamwork on the pitch at the highest level. Mick made some big saves today, and um, I think especially the first one from, from Adams I thought was a big moment in the match at a time when we just lost a little bit of control of the game, and um, he stood up tall for us, as he has done all season. What I love there, you can just hear the journalists tapping away their keyboards in the background. It's quite therapeutic, isn't it? What I hear when I go to sleep at night. <laughs> Eddie Howe doing what we've already done, what people in the comments have already done, what we've done nearly every single week for goodness knows how long. Just praising Nick Pope. But also the back four. And this is what stood out about that Bruno interview as well. You know, 
he's getting the man of the match award mm-hmm. and he is the best player in that squad. And, you know, yeah, every time he's asked, every time it's alluded to, he's always looking to praise somebody else. He's always mm-hmm. looking to praise whether it be Nick Pope or Kieran Tripper or the team. You know, he is the best player in that squad, but he is always on hand to make sure it's not about the individual, it's about somebody else or it's about the team. And that, as Eddie Howe's alluded to there, is is more important than than a number of things. It's it's not something money can buy you that unity in the dressing room. Yeah, and I think especially for Bruno, you know, he's been at the club a year. He didn't speak any English, and he looks like now, twelve months on, he's you know the life and soul of that dressing room. The bromance that he's got with Nick Pope, I absolutely love. He's clearly got a very very good relationship with Maxi off the pitch as well as of course that you know the South American contingent that they've got in the dressing room. But, but Eddie Howe, you know, just doing what he does best, and that is just shifting the the adulation and the praise off himself, off his team and on the players. And, you know, it's the same whatever you ask him about. You ask him about set pieces and when it's going well, and he says, well, yeah, that's Tyndall and Stephen Purchase and the backroom staff. You ask him about the clean sheets and it's all about the team. So just fantastic to see the unity that they've all got and, you know, the, the respect that they've got for each other. Yeah, definitely. And of course, the fans on that journey as well. Some fantastic scenes in the away end uh, last night. Um, Let me ask you this question then from Peter Aaron. He says, am I the only one who still feels nervous when I'm watching Newcastle play? My heart is going 50 to the dozen all the game. I have to say, I was was terrified yesterday. You know what it is? To answer Peter's question, no, you're not the only one. But I thought I'd be more nervous last night than I was. Don't know whether it's because it's over two legs or, you know, there's, there's still 90 minutes to come. But I went into the game thinking, OK, the nerves are going to kick in soon. And, then, and they just didn't really. And I don't know whether that's just blind confidence behind this team or the fact that they've got to do it all over again next week. Uh, I told my wife that I was more nervous for that game than I was our wedding day. And ironically enough, the sofa is really comfortable. <laughs> but I was really nervous. I mean, I was... Driving home yesterday back to the back to the house from from the office, I was I was sweaty palms and everything. I don't. It just oh, it just I'm nervous now thinking. You've got to do it all over again next week. I know. Do you think and it's, tra- it's transfer deadline day as well? Deadline day. I know. So, do you think next week though, because they're because they're at home, because they're a goal ahead, do you think you're now going to be less nervous next week or more? No, so? because I think because of the last. 14 years before the, the, the takeover, we always just expected as fans mm-hmm. for things to go wrong. You know, you think Rafa Benitez top of the championship and the, the absolute chaotic nature of the giant transfer into that. Yeah, we thought he was going to walk away. Thought the wheels were going to come off then. You know, and it happened countless times. You know, Kevin Keegan coming back, it was, you know, what everyone wanted. And then that went, you know, went, went astray. We're just used to, the, to that good feeling disappearing now thankfully this season it hasn't happened and it's weird isn't it it's weird i i i I text um bbc radio newcastle's matthew rays but yesterday um who's going to be one of our speakers at our live event tomorrow night at the tyneside irish center and he asked me how i was feeling before the game and i said i'm i said i'm nervous but i'm expecting a win but i don't like that feeling and we said it earlier in the week i don't like the feeling of expecting the win and the fact that the one nil up going at the second leg, it's going to increase the nerves because I just fear a banana peel. 
and you and, have and to actually that I do get your point because if they do somehow throw it away next week, the pain is so much greater than if they've been beaten, you know, comfortably over two legs. So I, I do understand where you're coming from. I'm just hoping that when I get to the stadium next week and you see the flags and the fans and the kickoff starts and your castle off flying out the traps, hopefully all them nerves will, will disappear. But it's going to be a fantastic game next week. I'm absolutely, you know, absolutely can't wait for it. Derek says, Bruno is the best player in the squad. The Nick Pope fan club didn't last long. I tell you what, uh, Derek, we've got so many fan clubs going on. And soon they're going to be pointless. Would you, would just, let's just have a Newcastle United squad. We should just have a team fan club. Yeah. Really, and, and every week we'll just have a different mascot. That's what we'll yeah. do because there's just so many good players in the uh, in this squad. Um, transfer window-wise then, Aaron... Anthony Gordon, the name on everyone's lips. You've had your say on him earlier in the week that you don't think he's the man to fire Newcastle United to the top four. So I cannot wait for when he gets that goal. That fires the castle <laughs> top four and he walks over and does the Jacob Murphy to, to the press box. That's it. Yeah. He has to sign first. What's your latest understanding on, on what's going on? Yeah, so, it, you know, it looks like things have moved, you know, significantly in the last two days. I know when we were talking on Monday, it was more just... Rumours that he was back, you know, on the transfer radar. It now looks like you know talks have happened. Newcastle are confident that they're going to beat Chelsea to him. Um, the player looks resigned to leave Everton. It looks like he wants the deal. You know, he wasn't at training yesterday. He wasn't at training today, which you know we know that he already had um, booked in Everton. The only sticking point really seems like whether they're going to be willing to sell for around 30, 40 million. It looks like Newcastle are probably going to walk away if it goes any more than that, which I think they're right to do. Um, but certainly at the stage with less than a week to go, it looks like he's the most um, the most likely name to arrive in the next couple of days. Obviously, we're still expecting movement in the midfield area and potentially, you know, a bit further back. But um, it looks like Newcastle are convinced that he's the man they want. Yeah, I, and it's interesting. We've mentioned there the split on social media, but it, you know, no doubt the quality that he's got. Um, where else do you think they're going to look to add before um, Tuesday? Um, as I said, I think midfield's been priority from, you know, even probably before January. I think as soon as Shelby picks up that second um, injury of the season, I think it became pretty clear that, you know, how things he's light in that area of the pitch, especially given that um, Elliot Anderson, who can fill in that role, just doesn't seem to be, you know, to keep himself fit, which is unfortunate. Um so I wouldn't be surprised if they make a you know a late move for someone in the centre midfield role, whether that's someone that comes straight into the team or whether it's a you know maybe a youngster with an eye for the future. Um, I'm not too sure, but I think that's definitely you know another area that they're looking at at the minute. Expecting it to be a busy end then to the window. I am thinking it's going to be a very very end. I'm looking forward to that nice 18 hour shift on deadline day to cover both the transfers and then. The match and hopefully Newcastle get the Wembley. So yeah, I expect it to be a a busy, busy couple of days towards the end of the month. I'm just reading that Dan Juma has joined Tottenham. I thought that was a I thought that was a mistake, but it, it yeah, yeah. So yes, it looks like he um he'd agreed to sign whoever and he'd done the medical, he'd done the club photo ops. Um, he'd done an interview, hadn't he as well? He'd done pretty much everything, saying he was going to fire them out of the relegation battle and then. At the eleventh hour, uh, Tottenham have came and swooped in, which you know might have a knock-on effect for Newcastle, um, given that he, you know, fits the bill as someone who could probably replace Anthony Gordon, similar positions on the pitch. Um, 
whether it'll be you know Newcastle. That but that being said, if you're Anthony Gordon and you're deciding whether you want to go, and then you see that happening, Dan Juma have agreed to come and then have suddenly pulled out. I mean, if you, if alarm bells aren't already ringing at what's going on at Everton, something like that surely just kind of pushes you closer towards the door, doesn't it? I think it's not even the Jan Juma thing. I think just looking at the state of Everton at the minute, managerless, you know, languishing in the relegation zone, a lot of troubles with the owners who, you know, are potentially willing to sell and coming out and saying they're not back on the manager, they're not. Um, it's looking like really, really bleak at Goodison Park. So, um, you know, it's no surprise to see that Gordon is probably angling for a move. I mean, how important would it be to get Gordon in in the next couple of days, you know, maybe even before the kickoff of the League Cup game? I, I, I'm assuming he can't play. I'm assuming he's cup tied. I haven't checked it, but I'm assuming he would be. Um, but just to give them a boost, you know, because I, I, I don't suspect you if you're Dan Ashworth or even Eddie Howe, you don't want to be... I mean, I don't know how it would work. Would you pick up a phone call at half time saying, by the way, blah, blah's at the airport, we've got him locked in? I mean, how would how would the logistics of a transfer deadline day in the biggest game in Newcastle's most recent history work? I mean, I'm hoping for all our sakes in the journalistic world that they've got their deals done nice and early. They're, they're finished by the 30th, so that it's a, a stress-free deadline day. But yeah, um, I think the club know, you know the game, the second leg that's on the horizon. They won't want any distractions. Eddie Howe last night, you know, coming out and having a very, very easy excuse to any transfer questions by saying he'd been preparing for the game, which will be the truth. Um, you know, they've got bigger fish to fry in some respects, but a big boost to get Gordon in. Yes, you know, on Monday, I, I did say that I don't think he's the man to fire them at the top four, but they need added bodies in attack. They're looking very, very light. They're looking, you know, one or two injuries away from looking really, really threadbare. Um so, yeah, look, important that they get Gordon or any other attacker over the line in the next sort of four or five days, I think. Peter says, if Gordon signs and he does with a clean slate, let's give him a chance. And Frederick asks, Aaron, any outgoings do you see forthcoming in the next few days? Uh, Carl Darlow is the big one that could potentially go. The only issue with that is, obviously, with Dubravka being cup-tied. Darlow, obviously, was on the bench last night, and should anything happen to Pope, it does leave them a little bit... Um, light in that department for the semi-final next week and potentially the final um on that we know that Hull are you know very very confident of signing him Huddersfield also wanted him given that both teams in the championship you know currently don't have first team keepers elsewhere you're looking at the likes of Ryan Fraser you know I know that earlier in the um window he was attracting interest from down south um interesting to see you know whether he goes how came out yesterday and said that um he knows him better than most and he knows he can still offer someone for this team, but you just look at it and think, you know, you think his time's probably up at Newcastle. Um, and then elsewhere, you're probably looking at the likes of Jamal Lewis, maybe leaving on loan um, and maybe a couple of the under-21s, maybe getting a, a stint out on loan later in the window, you know, the likes of the Scottish Premier League or the Championship, um, as we saw with Lucas de Ball quite late in the, in the summer window. So, yeah, I think there'll be, you know, activity both in and out in the final couple of days. Do you think they're remaining calm within the boardroom or, or transfers? Because it is no secret they need a striker. There's no secret they would like a midfielder. Do we get to a stage? I know there's still you know plenty of time left. Transfers can happen really quickly. But do you, do you see them getting to a stage if they haven't signed anyone where 
that list they've got of ABC might suddenly shift and we'll be looking at EDF or, you know, do Newcastle have a certain, uh, I don't want to say level they drop down to and, and, you know, nothing below that gets through the, the doors of the dressing room? I think, you know, even the club have came up publicly, you know, and privately and said that it's a very, very small, uh, small pool of players that they're looking at. Um, you know, specific targets that they think can improve the team. I don't think they're going to go out and buy for the sake of it. We've seen in the past that they're not scared to walk away from deals that they don't feel right. We saw it last summer, uh, sorry, last winter with Diego Carlos, who ended up going to Aston Villa. So, you know, the club will know who they've won. They've bided their time. You know, it's been a watching brief the last couple of weeks and hopefully, you know, they haven't left it too late to strike in the final days. But, I mean, January's tricky at the best of times, never mind when you're third in the table and, and you've got a cup semi-final on the horizon. So, fingers crossed, Ashworth can pull some out of the bag again. Mm, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, there's been rumours of Alan St. Maxman to AC Milan, uh, but it's understood that Newcastle are, are, are very keen to keep him. Eddie Howe sees him as part of his plans. Um, I mean, yeah, it, it would be ridiculous to, to, to let to let St. Maxman go, especially given the exit of Chris Wood and Newcastle's need anyway for for an attacking player, regardless of, sorry, even with St. Maxman being at the club. Yeah, 100%. Newcastle have, you know, came out and denied it. Um, that they're planning to lose Maxi does look, you know, a little bit like Asian talk and that, um, you know, Italian publications have, have linked him with AC Milan, but doesn't look to be any truth in it. And I, I agree completely. It, it wouldn't make sense to leave, to lose him this window unless he came out explicitly and said he wanted to go, which I can't see happening. So, yeah, uh, I think, you know, it's 90%, 99% nailed on that he's um, still at club in February. Yeah, fingers crossed he can show us in the weeks to come and maybe Tuesday just why he deserves to be here and playing a major part in Newcastle United's future. Well, that has been the Everything is Black and White podcast. I'm Andrew Musgrove. That was Aaron Stokes. Please remember to hit follow on the podcast channel and give us a rating and review. Head over to chroniclelive.co.uk to keep date with all the latest Newcastle United news, including a dedicated transfer blog where we will bring you all the rumours, gossip and hard stories. And do head over to the YouTube channel as well and click subscribe on that. It's been a pleasure to talk about Newcastle's 1-0 victory in the EFL Cup first leg semi-final. We'll be back next week to preview the second leg and then hopefully in fact no no we're not going to sign off like that we're going to leave it at we'll be back on monday to preview the second leg 